Hello, Kim. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> she may or may not have had to point to me. You are normally the one who says hi first, okay? <laughs> I know, I know. But it's your Happy turn. Happy Friday. It is. Yes, my, to you too. my turn today. Yes, we're so excited to be here. And uh, our guest today, I thought long and hard about how to introduce this guest because they are so near and dear to me and because I love embarrassing them. Um, but I... <laughs> I decided thinking, you know, the world can be a really scary place. And sometimes you can get caught up in thinking about all the things that you were, that are wrong and that are scary. But if you are a teacher or work with young people, or maybe have a young person in your life that really inspires you every so often, you get like a glimpse at a young person and you're like, oh, we're going to be fine. Like if these are the people that are in charge, we're absolutely going to be fine. Do you know what I mean, Kim? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's why I work with young people because <laughs> the adults like, I'm sorry. A lot of sorry, problems. adults listening. But, <laughs> and, and one of the things that makes me feel better about world, where the world is going is that we have people like Isabel Humphreys that are going to be in charge. Our guest today is Isabel Humphreys and she is a junior at St. Anne's Belfield School. Thanks so much for being here, Isabel. No problem. Thanks for having me. I was very excited to do this. Yay! Do you want to tell us a little bit? This is the most awkward question to ask a teenager ever. I know it's so unfair, but do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in with these questions? Sure. I'm a junior, like you said. I'm taking a lot of CS classes at STAB. In my free time, I work at Barnes and Noble. I like to knit. I like to read, and I like to play music. What are you reading right now? I am about to reread Legend because I'm going to do a book club for it, and I read it many years ago. And legend, you're talking about the Marie Lu series, like all three. Just the first one. I've never read that secretly. I think (laughs) I started it and then somebody wanted to check it out. So I never finished it. So readers, if you want to read along with Isabel, there you go. Legend by Marie Lu can direct all of your questions. She's the expert. (laughs) I also just read a very good book called 10,000 Doors of January that I highly recommend. Ooh, 10,000 Doors of January. Okay. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to have to write that down. I think you're going to have to explain this part of the relationship. Oh yeah. I forgot. Okay. So so in a former life, I was a school librarian, still a librarian, but not in a school anymore. Once you're a librarian, you're just kind of always a librarian. You can't really undo that. And Isabel was in the first class of middle schoolers that I ever taught. They taught me how to teach middle school. And she was one of the original creators of the library intern program. And she was a stellar intern and huge, huge reader. And so we used to talk about books every day and helped to build the young adult section at that school. I mean, Isabel's, our reading, loving roots go deep. So we could probably talk about books for the whole podcast. um, And that would kind of be relevant. It's a literacy and computer science podcast, but we'll go to a computer science (laughs) question. You mentioned, Isabel, that you are taking a lot of computer science classes in your junior year. And so we're going to ask you to look back a little bit. What first sparked your interest in computer science? Well, I've been doing computer science-y things for pretty much as long as I can remember. I know I started out with Scratch, probably third or fourth grade. But even before that, I was doing, I remember one specific program where there was a robot that had to follow a path and you just had to give it instructions. And I just always loved that kind of problem solving. And it always felt really good when I could solve a difficult problem. And I guess that's what led me to wanting to pursue it further. Mm, that chasing that high of solving that problem and being like, I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so my next question was going to be, what do you like about it? But it sounds like it's the problem solving. 
Yeah, and I really like that I can work alone and create a cool project because personally, I don't always love collaboration in school projects, but with computer science, I feel like I can create my own project and it can be just as cool. Mm. Do you do a lot of collaborating in your computer science classes? I'm supposed to. I often end up working alone. I don't know how that happens, but it's great. You talked about having access in, it sounds like these early experiences were in school, part of school. Is that right? It definitely started at home, but then in the middle school, we had to do scratch projects, especially, and I already knew how to do it. It felt like I was able to learn it really quickly, and I guess that felt good, so I continued. Because one thing I'm wondering is, do you think if you hadn't had that experience, especially in middle school, would you have found your way there anyway, do you think? I think that if I had found my way there, I still would have enjoyed it, but I'm not sure I would have decided to take computer science principles if I hadn't tried it. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of you, you got to expose every student to computer science, even if they're not going to become computer scientists, because there's just so many things that we can learn from it, problem solving, collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, <And> it's sometimes not, not. <laughs> but it's you know, not always just, something that's easy to stumble upon on your own exactly like, exactly you can kind of stumble upon science and upon reading and and unless you are in a household that happens to value it or you have a friend group that is studying it like you can go your entire school career without dipping your toe in computer science if you don't have a school that exposes everybody to it yeah and how about was there encouragement from home Definitely. Both of my parents majored in computer science. So very early on, they were interested in showing me this thing that they were both interested in. So that definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. So Isabel, you have been a part of Tech Girls kind of in two different ways. Can you tell us a little bit about your Tech Girls experience? Yeah, I started out attending the Girls Who Code meetings because my mom just told me they're doing this cool thing on Saturdays where you'll get to be with other girls who are interested in the same thing as you and solve problems. And that sounded fun, but I kind of started out when I was on the older side of the age group. And so I ran out of time when I was the appropriate age pretty quickly. So (laughs) then I decided to become, I think you called it a mentor. And that was really fun. Mostly I volunteered with the group who taught binary and how it worked in the form of bracelets and jewelry. So that was fun. And for listeners that might not be familiar or might not remember, Tech Girls is the nonprofit organization, Mm -hmm. is the nonprofit organization (laughs) that Kim started and runs. It's like her heart project. And so Isabel is a graduate of the program who came back to be a part of the program. So Kim, how does that feel to to see that? It's it's like, it's why I do it. (laughs) So um, it's really great to hear. So Isabel, I was wondering, why was it important to you to come back and be a mentor? Because I guess I had these memories of feeling like I was in a safe space because a lot of my experiences with computer science has been a lot of boys to generalize. And just to see that there were people like me interested in the same thing. And especially that once you got older, you could still pursue that was kind of powerful. And I just wanted to be that for someone else, I guess. Did you get that kind of goosebumpy feeling? Like, did you ever, when you were doing it, did you ever catch like a little girl looking at you and you're like, it's happening right now? I'd like to say yes, but really it was a lot of people asking if they could just make the bracelet that they wanted without the binary. (laughs) We'll have to link the binary bracelet activity in the resources for this episode because it is a very cool activity and it is fun to make bracelets. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got the goosebumps just now. So thank you. <laughs> Does that make you want to continue mentoring and kind of keep looking for opportunities to be that example for girls that are looking for other women in computer science? It does. I think the only thing that stops me from doing that is feeling like I'm not knowledgeable enough to teach someone else, which is kind of hard to get past the feeling that I need to be an expert in order to even help someone slightly with it. Yeah. And that you are not alone in that feeling at all. Yes. (laughs) And I think feel that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's, it definitely happens more with women than men. Like Mm -hmm. women tend to feel like you know, especially when they're applying for jobs that they need to have all the skills listed where men will be like, I've got half of them. I'll try it out, you know, but the other thing, especially related to when I work with educators who want to integrate computer science, this idea that you could know everything, or I remember I was taking a class when I was working on my master's And it was about education technology. And some of the teachers were just like, well, I just want to know enough that I can keep ahead of the kids. And I'm like, I am immersed in technology. I can't keep up with the kids. Like there's just, there's just no way we can know it all. Technology is changing Mm -hmm. so darn fast. And that's a mindset in education that I think maybe needs to change overall. Like you don't need to know enough to stay ahead of the kids. Let the kids teach you. Like they, in lots of ways, they're going to know more than you do because kids are really smart and you can, it is scary to embrace that. And it's also really exciting to embrace that, to let them come in and be like, you are the expert on this. Like, what do I need to know? How does this work? You have to have great kids like Isabel (laughs) in order to do that. But I wish I could say that that kind of imposter syndrome that do I know enough to be here feeling goes away. And maybe it does for some. But I was just in a meeting today. I'm the learning and community manager for a creative robotics company and kind of a project manager on a new course that we're doing to introduce teachers to physical computing in a specific way with these remote robots. And so I'm putting together the video, writing the outlines for the courses, what the syllabus is going to be, what the videos are going to be. And the whole time I was like, okay. So if they ask a question that I don't know, I'll just cough or pretend that I dropped something like, and maybe they won't recognize that I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, it just never really goes away and you just learn to skate through it. Right. Great. Yeah. (laughs) We're really inspiring her. (laughs) But the good news is no, everybody is feeling it. So I'm whispering that to myself. Meanwhile, the other people on the other end of the call are going, oh, I hope she doesn't ask too many questions. And the person down the hall is going, okay, so if I just stand up tall, then no one will realize. It just seems to be a very human thing that we keep ourselves humble by never thinking that we're experts. Any more tech girls questions, Kim? Well, I'm just going to say that once tech girls can start meeting again, you are, you know, at the top of the list to come back. So can I say something? Yes. I think what was cool about tech girls to me is that if someone didn't have the same upbringing as I did, where they were introduced to computer science from an early age, tech girls could be that for them. And then they could have some experience and feel more confident starting it later on. Oh, that is cool. Do you have any advice for either parents who might be considering bringing their children to tech girls or any young people who have been like, well, I've wanted to try something like tech girls, but I'm having that feeling that I'm not an expert or that I don't belong. What would you want to tell them? My advice would be just do it because it's a very short commitment, first of all. So if you do genuinely hate it, which is unlikely, you would just get to go home and then you know you don't like it. But if you do, then you just get to have fun, maybe make friends and solve problems. That's great, actually, because signing up for a camp or a course can feel like you are signing up for a lot of time. But this really is just a few hours. It's the day. And when you love it, when you leave, 
which you will, you can find Isabel and say, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it like studying computer science in high school? I think that STABS course is probably a little unique from what I've seen of it. The classroom is very high energy all of the time. (laughs) And I know that when I took the computer science principles AP exam, nothing on that exam was what we learned in class. So I learned that by myself. It's a lot of projects and problem solving skills that we're learning and how to start with a pseudocode or a list of tasks that you want to complete before you even start coding, which I think is important, even if I don't always follow that. It definitely doesn't feel equal among the genders, at least in participation, which I know you mentioned. I also know that STAB at some point got some sort of award for having an equal number of girls and boys in a computer science principles class, which I think must have been a fluke because I haven't seen any evidence of that. My class right now, I'm in honors data structures. It has, I'd say five girls and it's a class of 26. Whoa. And that's, um, a hu- that's huge growth from not in girl participation, but overall like that class used to be quite small and it's been growing and growing but yeah how, how what what do you think are some things that could be done either at stab or just in general to help bridge that gap kind of a hard question i know um, <laughs> if you could just solve all of the problems that we're working on that would be great <laughs> well you sign up for your ninth grade classes in eighth grade and i think if instead of computer science principles just being listed as an option that you see and think, oh, well, I can't do that. If there could be some kind of presentation that even if they just said something as simple as anyone can do this, you don't need any background experience. We'd love to have any kind of person. Maybe that would encourage people who don't even know what it is because it's just listed as CFP under the list of computer science programs. It's not even spelled out. It might be now. I don't remember it being, but I knew what it was. Do you think that more girls would be interested in computer science if it became a class that all freshmen had to take? I don't know that that would make them more interested, but I do support that idea because I think the skills that you learn in the class are useful for anything. Like you do learn collaboration, even if you don't want to, and (laughs) just the skills to come at a problem from different angles and argue over different possible solutions. I think that's useful for anything. And then maybe if girls did like it, they would continue in the program. Right. At least it's giving them exposure. So they know, like you said before, like, you know that you had this experience and then you can make an informed decision about whether you want to continue or it's not your thing. But right now, I feel like there are a lot of uninformed decisions based on stereotypes and things like that. It's much easier to continue something than to start it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Profound. Oh. <laughs> well said. And most things that look really scary and unwelcoming from the outside look very different when you're in them. So if you kind of get pushed in the door because you have to, then once you're in, you're like, oh, this is what I was so nervous about. Like, this is collaboration and problem solving. And I'm great at those things. I do think Mm -hmm. Mr. Minster is good at creating a welcoming environment. Like I have always felt welcome in the computer science room, but at the same time, when I feel like I stick out, that doesn't help. And also I feel like me being equal in the class is based off of me being very vocal and active in the class. Like Mm. if I didn't say anything, I'm not sure I would be as included. And I know that some of the other girls don't raise their hands and they've pretty much never spoken in class. Whereas the boys seem much more comfortable and outspoken. And when we randomly select someone for something, it's almost always the same few people. Interesting. 
Isabel's teacher is actually a previous guest that we've had on the show. So we have an episode with Zach Minster and Zach Ashby, who was his TA last year, who I actually just saw on Instagram, went to college last week. Congratulations, Zach Ashby. But if you want to hear some of this high energy creative teaching that leads to really (laughs) dynamic classes where people feel safe and and want to explore, you can listen to Zach Minster's episode because he is a character. Yeah, that's for sure. I definitely feel comfortable calling things out in class and just talking, but I'm sure that not everyone does. And those people don't get included as much, but that might be more a product of their own shyness than the classroom environment. What do you think gives you the, the kind of the chutzpah to participate? Do you have any suggestions for anyone who wants to participate, but just can't bring themselves to do it? I would say that no one is ever looking down on you for not knowing something. Like I used to be worried when someone would say something complicated and I didn't understand, I would feel nervous about saying that because I thought they expected me to already know it. But then I tried just saying, I completely don't understand that. Like in those exact words, I would just say, I don't understand what you're talking about. And every single time they've been totally willing to re-explain and go into what I don't know. And there's never been any consequences for that. That's great. From someone in the know, you can say, I don't know what you're talking about. And the people will be like, oh yeah, cool. And it just goes on. No consequences. I love that. We all need to hear that. I need to play that like on repeat, on loop. Right. Earlier today, even, I think Mr. Minster was talking about dimensions maybe. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And that's what I said. I said, I don't understand half the words you're using. I don't know what you're talking about. And (laughs) we slowed it down and explained it. And it was really interesting. So I guess if I just nodded along, I wouldn't have gotten to have that conversation. And I'm sure that you're a voice for so many students who aren't you know, ready to speak up like that. So thank you yeah, <laughs> for doing that. I'm sure it's, it's not just you that needs that. And every time somebody who's afraid sees you speak up, they get a little bit closer to like, okay, she can do it. I can do it. Look, nothing bad happened. I can do it. You know, you're probably helping to build up the people around you without even realizing it. That's what I try to think whenever I say something really stupid in class. I'm like, I just made someone else feel better about themselves. This is great. (laughs) I love that. Do you have any favorite projects or things that you've worked on in class so far? I did a project today that was to randomly generate a maze which starting out was really difficult. But then once I kind of wrapped my head around the problem, I finished the whole thing in about 90 minutes and it just, it all came together exactly the way I thought it would. It was so satisfying. Oh, I love, I love it. I love being there when students have that moment, especially if they struggled. Like I actually like to see a little bit of struggle in students. Uh, When it comes too easy, you don't get that light bulb moment. But when there's, you know, something you have to Mm -hmm. work against and then that happens, it's like, oh, That's so awesome. (laughs) The only problem with me finishing that project that quickly is that we now have a week from today to complete it. And I finished (laughs) it this morning. And so um, we were told today in class, don't even open your computers and try to code. Just start with the storyboard. And mine was already done. So the nice thing about the class is that he adds layers of the project. So now my project is to try to create the same thing in 3D. And so the class is challenging for everyone, which I really like. Yeah. Cool. If you have that maze on a platform that can be shared, will you send it to us so we can share it with people? Last week, we spoke with Laura Hilliger, who's fantastic. Listeners, if you haven't heard that episode, you should definitely go listen to it. And she shared this graphic that I've been thinking about a lot. And it has three different circles. And one circle says, what are you good at? 
One circle says, what brings you joy? And one circle says, what is the work that needs to be done? In the very middle, it says what you should do. So Isabel, what are you good at? What brings you joy? What's the work that needs to be done? Where, where do you overlap? That's a good question. I think I'm good at, at least in computer science, should I specify in computer science or just in general? All the things. In general, I think I'm good at quickly seeing the solution to a problem. Mm. So I think that's a good general skill that could apply to a lot of things, which is part of why I'm having so much trouble deciding what I want to do in the future. (laughs) Yeah. I think what needs to be done is there just needs to be more diversity in computer science specifically. Because I know when I see pictures of computer science programs at university, it's always very diverse, but that's because they're the photos that are selected to show us how diverse their programs are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I think that to have actual equality in the types of people that are participating in the field would be great. Very unlikely to happen soon, but that would be great. And I think that my participation would be a step towards that. And I have no idea what I want to do. So that messes up your Venn diagram a little bit. (laughs) Well, it brings you joy. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds shallow, but I really like being good at things, like being good at something. Yeah. That's like not when shallow I'm at a song all. On the piano, the best part is when I've practiced for eight months on a song or something, and then I can play it all the way through. That's the best part. Mm-hmm. And you've given us a little glimpse just through this conversation that it's not just being good at things, but also kind of sharing and sparking and helping other, guiding other people to get there as well. So you use, I mean, liking being good at something is enough. That mm-hmm. is more than enough, but you also do more with it as well. So when you think about what you want to do in the future, does it have something to do with sharing and bringing people along? Or does it have to do with finding more things that you're good at and kind of climbing a ladder with something that you enjoy? I guess of the two, I'd be more interested in finding something that I enjoy because Mm -hmm. while inspiring others is important, I feel like I can do that by doing something that I enjoy. And I don't ask kids anymore, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I just, I think the time that you do one thing when you grow up has passed us. And I think that's the good thing. We've evolved past that. I think we're living proof of that. Yeah. (laughs) So I tend to ask kids, what are some of the things that you want to do? Or what do you think you want to do first? Or what training do you want to have that will allow you to do lots of different things? So have you thought, Isabel, about what kind of training you want to have that will kind of jumpstart you into all of the things you could want to do when you get older? I'd like to go to college so I can study something in depth, even if I'm not sure what that is. I mm-hmm. want to be an expert on something. And after that, I'm not really sure. I don't want to work completely by myself, if that makes sense, because that sounds lonely, but I don't want to have a job where my only job is to interact with other people. Like I want there to be some aspect of individuality in it. I love the way when you think about what you want to do, I think there's a lot of people that go straight for what's in the middle of the structure and you're like building the structure around it, which, and which is going to, you're going to end up with something amazing in the middle, but you're making sure to build it about, you know, the structures based on who you are and what you like and what kind of work life balance you want and what you want your environment to be like. And I'm so interested to hear about what shows up in the center of that and then how many times it changes. (laughs) I guess my ultimate goal is to not have to worry when I'm an adult. I don't want to have to worry about things. Mm-hmm. That's a good goal. Yeah. You'll probably have to worry a little. There's always something to worry about, but <laughs> you know, you just make a life where the joy kind of balances it out. Right. 
Yeah, that's why I don't yeah. think I can be a musician. Just the absolute fear that I feel while performing. I don't think that would be sustainable for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and tell our listeners, what do you play? I play the piano and the viola. I used to be in the choir and I've kind of taught myself guitar. Okay, I won't make you sing or play something, but I want to <laughs> let, the, let the record show that I am restraining myself from doing that. <laughs> Kim, did we miss any questions? Um, well, I guess one we missed is how has COVID impacted mm. your high school experience and also learning? You are at STAB right now. You are wearing a mask. So clearly mm-hmm. there's still some impacts you're being felt. But what has that been like for you? I've been lucky enough to have it not affect my life very much. I mean, I think the longest lasting effect for me at school is we have a quarter system now which means that every class you take is either in quarter one and three or two and four, which especially for example, AP French is pretty difficult because the AP exam is going to be at the end of quarter four. And we have all these long breaks where we don't speak any French and any skill-based class, you kind of lose the skills over the quarter. So the goal is to have smaller class sizes to be split up like that. But I think it's more detrimental. If anything, it's actually helped my computer science because over the first summer where we were stuck at home, I took a free online course learning to code in Python, which kind of helped me a lot before taking CSP. Just the opportunity to stay at home and some might say this is a negative thing, but be glued to my computer screen all day (laughs) helped my computer science a lot. Well, you took advantage of it, you know, something that doesn't, isn't necessarily great on its own. And so you do what you need to do to make it a good thing. Yeah. Computer science, binge watching TV, read a lot of books, you know, overall great summer. Yeah. These are, these are like the foundations of what we all, we all (laughs) want to be doing in our spare time. Right. Right. And what uh, I want to try to end on a hopeful note. So what are you hopeful about in the future uh, relative to your own future or just sort of, you know, our, our collective future? Well, personally, I feel that wherever I end up going to college, I'll be able to have a good time and then end up doing something productive with my life. I don't think that if I don't get into the best colleges, that's going to hurt my chances at life. I think no matter what, I'll be okay, which is a good mindset that not everyone seems to share. Yeah, it is such a healthy mindset. Um, I wish more people had it because I can tell you from experience coming from a little college (laughs) that I've been fine. I've been great. Yeah, I came from a very unimpressive college and have been totally fine as well. So I love that mindset. Not sure my parents share it, but they will support me no mm. matter what. So that's the important thing. I'm going to go ahead and guess that they are very proud of you. As two teachers that only had a little bit of time with you, we are so proud of you that I can imagine that your parents are off the charts. It's just, we, we can say it more because we don't have to discipline you as much. <laughs> but I'm sure they feel it. (laughs) Any last messages you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up, Isabel? I'd say if you're interested in doing computer science, just try it. And there are no consequences. If you don't like it, you can change your mind, but you likely will. And there'll be people to support you and you can find something within it that's fun for you because there are many aspects of it. Like Some people go into art through computer science, music through computer science, you know, heavier on the coding side, whatever you're interested in, there's something for you within computer science. I love it. I love it. Drop the mic. Put on (laughs) t-shirts. 
Okay, not your mic. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us, Isabel. We did not even like write those answers for her. We're so happy to have you. It's so good to see you. We really are so proud of you. Such an amazing human and can't wait to see what you do. And with no pressure, you get to do whatever you want. And we're going to be delighted to hear about it. Yeah, maybe we can have you back is. in a year. Give us an update. Yeah. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Honestly, you reached out to me about this and I just heard talk to Miss Wilkins and Miss Fitz for an hour. Yes, please. I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't pay her to say that either. I swear. <laughs> None of this is sponsored by Once Upon a Tech. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here, Isabel. And Kim, until next time. Tech, love, and happiness. <laughs>